It's Cofield and Company. 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 What is going? What's that smell? <laughs> what is that? Why are there cats everywhere? Would you walk up to him? Sure. Punch him right in the jugular. <laughs> my heart, my soul exude hope and love to you for yourself, for your family, for your friends, for you to have the greatest Memorial Day weekend of your life. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday, getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, 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 partying. Yeah! All right, Friday, 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 Friday. Memorial Day weekend. I know a lot of people around Las Vegas are working this weekend. This is a big one to make a lot of bucks, so don't want to come on local radio. I think this happens in a lot of markets where people are like, hey, we all got the weekend off. Actually, most of Vegas doesn't have the weekend off because we're here to service people from around the country. We're in the Finley Toyota Studios. It's Cofield. The company today is Willie Ramirez. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. Busy day. We got a lot to get into. We do have some good road talk coming up. You know we love that because now we have more details on the 15 and Trop project that's going to start up in uh, just a couple of weeks and go for three years. And that, of course, is our stadium corridor and a super busy area. So we'll get into that in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, barbecue talk later on. Lots of football as Stanford Round, our football insider, is up with us. And so is uh, Mark McMillan. We have a, a great... Uh, guest spot coming up as uh, Mark and Devin Allen. If you don't know the name Devin Allen, you know, Mark played for the Eagles. Devin Allen's with the Eagles. He's 27. Uh, he was at Oregon and he's a good football player, but he was better at track. He was an Olympian in the 110 hurdles. So those guys are going to join us in about 15 minutes. But Willie, you know what? I saw you yesterday at the Raiders facility as the first media access in you know, a while since the draft. And then we got all this news that came out with Kaepernick getting a tryout. Um, I thought yesterday was really interesting. And what I found fascinating was how the flow of info went out and how the Raiders' brief discussions and comments on Kaepernick were delivered to the rest of the country. And I was like, man, I heard and saw something completely different. Uh, again, this was Josh McDaniels right at the beginning of the press conference. Someone asked him, hey, how'd the workout go with Colin Kaepernick? Like I said, we brought in tons of people for workouts, and if there's an opportunity to improve the team, you know, we said it from day one that we would look at every opportunity, and, you know, he's not the first player that we looked at, not the not the last one. So uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come in and out of this building and have an opportunity to make an impression. And uh, like I said, the evaluations we make are, are kind of private for us. And, you know, if we make a decision to add somebody to the team, then uh, then we'll do it. Players came in. Colton Miller, Max Crosby, Denzel Perriman. Here's Max Crosby because, you know, as a media group, hey, people are interested in Kaepernick. You want to ask about the tryout? Maybe the players have something to say about it. What about you, Max? Um, honestly, I don't, I don't know much about that. Um, you know, I, I'm worried about the guys that are here right now. Um, so that's, that's really all I have on that. Denzel Perriman came in, basically said the same exact thing. Um, I'll say from a positive standpoint, I think there was some orchestration there. Hey, this is the message we want to have going out. The mark of a good organization to not be all over the place. But I thought some people took the quick statement on McDaniels and ran with 
some potential controversy like McDaniels doesn't want him here. That's clear. Like you and I were sitting there listening to him. I'm like, I, that wasn't the vibe I got. I never heard that. He just made a quick statement. He's like, he doesn't play for us. He's not signed. You know, Dave, the GM, they bring in guys all the time. I'm sure McDaniels was there watching. They want sure. his input, sure. his expertise. Uh, well, his answer implied he was there. Yeah. So I, I expect like a lot that, of people uh, sent out this message like McDaniels, mum. That was I mean, my I'm, well, that, I wrote. I mean, I guess headline. he was. He was mum. Okay. I, I, that was the headline I wrote for my but story. Were like, I don't know. Was there like a negative that you felt? No. In his no, no, no. And I don't think that that's mum means he was silent, and he was. He was silent on the workout. He wasn't. He had a comment. So when I wrote that headline, he was mum on Kaepernick's workout. He didn't talk about the workout. What he said, which is what we expected, or what I expected him to say, was exactly what he said because one of our trusted colleagues in the industry who was there texted McDaniels the night before, and he said, look, standard procedure for me, we do not comment on players that are not with the team or that just come in and do workouts. So That's this is going to be the thing. It's the Patriot way on this. Well, not necessarily or the, the McDaniels way. way. It could be the McDaniels way. It could be any. We don't know if that's just the Patriots way. Guy comes in and works out. It's just high profile. Let's call it. Here's the thing. It's standard procedure. Okay. And he's just doing this. Why didn't we ask anybody? How do, how do we know who else hasn't come in and worked out? We haven't asked about them. So in his, in, in all rights, if we're going to ask about him, we should be asking about everybody that they brought in. Just like he said, Dave's brought in lots of guys. We're not asking about them. Why? Because it's Colin Kaepernick. So in reality, I get it. So Ian Rappaport yesterday said reports were Kaepernick impressed and the door is open. If they're not making statements, who gave that to Rappaport? Agent. Easy. Okay. I mean, that's how him and Schefter and these big guys, they hear it. Be, they know before. That's why, not to cross sports here and get all into that, but that's why Flurry said what he said and Alan Walsh, blah, blah, blah. It's funny that he's, that like Flurry says, oh, I learned it because of Twitter, which he doesn't have a Twitter. His agent's the one that throws it out there. That's why these agents do it. You don't think But, that but he, last year, Willie, I, I do think the last couple of years, Rappaport had a source inside the Raiders organization. Now, they didn't blow everyone out. I wonder, is there any possibility that the impressed part and the door is open if that came from anyone with the Raiders? No. Is that possible? No. You don't think so? I don't think so. 100% I don't think so. So you think Kaepernick's people were told, well, hey, let me, let me hey, hey, he impressed us, and the door is open. And that was who Ka- uh, Rap Sheet got it from. No, but he didn't. he was impressive with his workout based on his arm strength and conditioning. Those are the reports back. Those are the reports. Okay, see, the agent can feed that to him. It gets out there, and then everyone else goes. Then that's going to open the door for other try- for this guy to go do other workouts. And there that's are reports that uh, he's already been – he'd already thrown with some Seahawks players during the summer. Right. Uh, there's reports out there that, you know, the Bears and Seahawks may have interest in him and bring him in for a workout. Dude, it's May. Steve, it's May. But you know how it is, man. Yes, and, and everybody and, and, and Raiders con- fans. And it's and the most we'll- controversial player of the last five or six years. And there are a lot of people who still have a stick up their keisters over Colin Kaepernick and all the stuff that went around him. So it's it's news, right? It, it's it absolutely is. And I I was not shocked by the way the Raiders talked about it yesterday. But again, we'll examine why they brought him in. Other ulterior motives. We got comments from other players. We got comments from his past teammates. We'll get into all the other stuff that the Raiders talked about yesterday. Again, it's May, so we'll talk offensive line. We'll talk more about Crosby emerging as a star. But up next, speaking of stars, former Oregon receiver. He's an Olympian, two-time Olympian. Uh, guy, Devin Allen, is 
he's in camp with the Eagles. This is cool. And Mark McMillan is actually a, a mentor of his going back to his childhood. So we'll sit down with both of those guys. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Back here on ESPN Las Vegas, Mark McMillan is with us. Uh, always brings in great guests, and we've got a, a special guest today. Mark, let's get into it. Yeah, man, we got we got my guy Devin Allen. Man, I know a lot of people. Um, if you follow him on social media, man, he's a he's a great follower. Uh, he's doing a lot for you know for our country as a whole. So first of all, I want to thank you, Devin, for for uh, giving us this opportunity. Uh, to share your story and, and give you a platform. Oh, yeah. No, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate you, Mark. We've known each other for a long time. So, you know, it's always good when we can chop it up. Yeah, man. We, we go back to the AYF days uh, when you were playing as a youth. Uh, obviously, you, know, you guys had some really good youth teams back in the day. And then following your career uh, at Brophy, uh, what was that transition like, you know, from youth football and then going to Brophy and actually being the guy. Yeah, so I think it was it was definitely interesting. Um, that eighth grade year, which is like you know like youth football, it was my first year playing wide receiver. You know, my whole my whole career, I played uh, you know running back. So you know, moving eighth grade and, and playing wide receiver, and then kind of transitioning into wide receiver mainly and only, um, you know, in high school was was a cool transition and something that I think was needed. You know, and we're so you 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 remember that Brophy football team? We were so deep at running back. Not that I wouldn't have played, but, you know, I got on the field right away as a wide receiver, uh, which was good, and, and and that helped our team do pretty well. Uh, explain to us a little bit, like I said, uh, growing up, you know, in, in Arizona, uh, pretty much, um, you know, you grew up with, you know, Christian Watson, uh, you know, obviously his younger brother who just got drafted by uh, the Packers as well. So it, it's a great story to see that you guys are all, you know, flourishing and you guys all came from that same kind of cloth. Explain to me, what, what is the joy that you feel seeing uh, the young Watson getting drafted to the Packers? Yeah, it's pretty cool because, you know, so his older brother Trey um, is who I played with in youth football uh, mm-hmm. about like six years old when I when I started, when I moved to Phoenix. And uh, so I've known Trey um, and his dad was, was our coach for probably, you know, 20 years now. Yep. And Christian was like three or four, right? So he was a young, <laughs> young, young gun, um, and and always a good athlete. Obviously, we didn't play together because, you know, I'm about four or five years older than him. But um, cool to see him grow up. And then, you know, as as you get older, um, he was a baller in in high school um, in Florida, and then a baller in college, obviously. And so we kind of knew he was a guy. I talked to Trey probably a few times a week, every week. You know, mm-hmm. we got a group message that we we're in con- consistently, and so. You know, he was, you know, he was hyping his, his brother up from the beginning. And oh, he big knows, time. He oh, him every big day. time. Eagles wide receiver Devin Allen is with Cofield and company and Mark McMillan. Why did you choose Oregon out of all the scholarship offers that you had coming out of high school as a highly taught it, you know, high school athlete track and football? Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was just the, the combination of both sports um, and then the ability to play at the highest level in both sports. Right. Um and Oregon at the time, like 2011, 2012, when I was in high school getting recruited, Oregon had just played Auburn in the national championship. Obviously, they're you know, a historic track program as well. Um, and, and they're on the West Coast. And not that I didn't consider going to the East. You know, I visited Florida State because I was really interested in, in, in that program as well. And I thought you were going um, there. I thought you was going to Florida State. Yeah. And, and I was set to, to visit Arkansas, you know, because Arkansas is a really good track program. And, you know, it's SEC football. And uh, so I think for me, it was just the best of both worlds. And, 
and be on the West Coast. It's Oregon. It's, you know, University of Nike, right? Like just that, like, you know, persona and just that level of, you know, everybody knows about Oregon. And it, yeah. it felt pretty cool to go up there. And, and you know, when you're getting recruited, it feels good to be wanted by, you know, a program and coaches and stuff like that. And obviously, you know, I did well early in my career. Um, true freshman won NCAAs in track and, and USAs in track. And then my retro freshman year playing football, you know, I was a leading receiver on a team that went to the national championship. So, you know, if we would have won that national championship, shoot, you could have argued – you know, one of the best 12 month periods in a year of an athlete, right? NCAA yes. championship, team title on, on the track side as well. And then if we wanted to won that team title on the football side, um, it would have been pretty historic, I think. But it was an awesome experience and I, I loved every minute of it. Just explain to me, uh, you know, what is the transition from going to the University of Oregon, coming off a knee injury, and then just diving in the track and being one of the one of the fastest hurdlers uh, that we've seen in, in, in some years for the USA? The biggest part of that, you know, that recovery from injury is just the mentality. Um, the doctors and the science is so good nowadays that, you know, it's not really a death sentence anymore um, in terms of, you know, knee injuries, hip injuries, ankle injuries, stuff like that. So um, I, I had a lot of people around me that that helped me recover well and were really diligent with my recovery and making sure I was doing things the right way um, in order to be a long term. Um, you know, I was really frustrated post 2016 Olympics because I felt like I should have won it. And so, you know, I had that injury in 2016, um, you know, against Nebraska. And I decided, hey, like, this might be my opportunity to focus on track for this next four years. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity to sign a, a Nike deal um, to, to make some money in, in doing that as well. So, yeah, so that's that's part of the thing, right? Like, you know, and I was doing the math like <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy now because the see, we were talking about like the NFLPA and the CBA and all mm -hmm. that stuff is like, the rookie minimum in 2014 was like half of what it is now. Man. Right? So, like, if I signed a deal in, you know, 2015, 2016, you know, I wasn't quite making the rookie minimum, but I was making good money comparatively. So, I'm like, okay, right. well, shoot, if I'm, you know, rookie minimum or just running track, not that it's all about the money, but I was really focused, you know, on trying to win this, win, win this last Olympics. And, uh, you know, my goal was to uh, play football after anyways. And, you know, that – Turned from four years to five years, but now I'm here. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. It's the voice of uh, Devin Allen along with Mark McMillan. Devin, of course, U.S. Olympian, played football at Oregon, is now with the Eagles. I just wanted to parlay that part of the conversation with the Nike money into your take on what's going on right now with NIL. I don't know a ton about it other than the fact that now um, we're allowed to make money off the likeness and you know you can sign endorsements and stuff like that it's pretty cool because when i was in college i could have probably benefited a lot based on that as well just to just to make that cash flow or sign a nike deal or get a deal with a car dealership and have a car right like you know because i'm riding a bike around in college and <laughs> and trying to scrounge up money to eat i don't know if you're scrounging up money to eat you know especially with the athletes uh that you guys had on your team what was it like uh playing with marcus obviously he went, goes on to win the heisman trophy um, you know, up and down in the National Football League. And how, what is your relationship with Marcus right now? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, Marcus is a first and foremost, a great human being um, and a great athlete. You know, he's probably one of the even if he didn't play quarterback, he could be a safety in the NFL or a tight end or a receiver or whatever. Um, but, yeah, he, he's very, uh, you know, um, helpful in terms of just like helping receivers um, learn the offense. So like helped me a lot when I first got in. Um, to college and then moving forward me and him have been in contact every you know a couple times a year 
every year. I went to the uh, the Raiders game last season. You know, I was in Vegas. I was like, yo, Marcus, he hooked me up with tickets. He's like, yeah, I got you. Like, no worries. So, so yeah, no, but it's cool. It's cool to play in the NFL now and maybe, you know, get the chance to see him, you know, which is which is very awesome. I think he's going to have a great opportunity, um, you know, at, at the Falcons um, to, to kind of reignite and restart his career um, because I think he's – an amazing athlete and, and any team that's going to have them is going to be do really well. Yeah. I, I know you, you know, you've been tweeting out every time the, the combine comes out every year, you're tweeting out your 40 time and everybody's like, man, is he coming back? And you know, you were just teasing, teasing us for like the last, you know, six or seven years. And everybody's texting me like, Hey, is Devin going to go to the NFL? I was like, I have no clue what Devin is doing. All I know is he's running track. And then this year, you know, you do the pro day at Oregon, what was the turning point to be like, you know what, I'm going to go out here, do the pro day and finally give this opportunity give a shot to play in the National Football League? Um, well, I think it was just a part of the plan from the beginning. Um, like I said, my plan was to, to get back into football post 2020 Olympics that got pushed to 2022. Um, and so post 2021, after after Tokyo Games, I decided, hey, you know, it's time to do it. And, you know, I kind of spent a little time of prep um, from there, just had the you know cool opportunity to do Oregon's pro day you know they invited me back and you know had me run routes and do stuff in front of the scouts which I think was very helpful well what, what was it like after you know you have your pro day yeah you know everybody's thinking he's just a track guy uh but people that know you as you know growing up and watching you play at Oregon uh from high school you're a very very talented athlete uh that's very versatile um you know what was it like going through almost like the recruiting process again what was some of the teams that reached out to you uh, to try to, to sign you? There's a there's a lot of teams that reached out, um, you know, post-pro day. And, you know, I actually had to sign an agent like a few days after the pro day because I didn't have a guy <laughs> yet. And so we kind of we kind of went to work. And and uh, to be honest, the Eagles, Howie Roseman called me about 20 minutes after the pro day and was like, hey, we, we're interested in signing you. And so I was like, okay, like, I appreciate this. I didn't expect it to happen so fast. Let's uh, let's slow it down. Let me get let me get an agent. We'll we'll chat later. This, you know, on Monday because it was Friday. He's like, yeah, no problem. That's fine. And uh, you know, my agent reached out to some teams, and some teams were interested in having me come out and do a visit or do a workout. Um, and then you know, he got back to me. He's like, hey, this is what the Eagles are offering, and and I think it's a good deal because you know you want to go to a team that you're you're wanted at. You know, it feels good to be wanted in the program, and and the Eagles showed that pretty much right away. And and you know, that's kind of been the sentiment while i've been there as well and uh been being able to you know practice and learn football again and the coaches helped me a, a lot with that mark mcmillan is here and that's the voice of devin allen former oregon receiver olympic hurdler now with the eagles uh what was it like you know getting off the plane entering the facility and knowing like man I, i'm a philadelphia eagle to be honest that was a kind of a crazy experience because i only drove about two hours from annapolis so i didn't even get off the plane <laughs> Um, yeah, I drove, I drove up two hours the day before and we had to do a whole bunch of meetings and physicals, you know, obviously with my, uh, injuries about five, six years ago, you know, the doctors wanted to make sure everything was good and, and, you know, I was healthy and ready to play football, which, you know, it was kind of like a technicality because I had been running professional track and one of the best, you know, hurdlers in the world. So obviously I can still do athletic things, but yeah, it was super exciting. And I got to meet the, the staff and the, and the coaches and, and all that stuff. And actually my receiver coach, Eric Moorhead was a, a, a GA at Stanford when Stanford oh, wow. was recruiting me. So I actually already knew him. And it was, you know, it's interesting to, you know, see how the, 
the coaches kind of rotate around like from, you know, college to different schools and then to the NFL and then OC mm -hmm. and the receiver coach and then head coach. It was, it was awesome experience to be honest. And I was pretty nervous, but excited to be there. <laughs> Sit tight guys. Devin Allen, former Oregon receiver, Olympian, now trying to make the Philadelphia Eagles. And of course, our football insider, former Philly Eagle, Mark McMillan, is with us. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling on, Cofield and Company. We'll continue with our guest, Evan Allen, former receiver at Oregon, Olympian, and now with the Eagles, Mark McMillan, former Eagle, is here with us. Getting right back into it, Devin. You've been working on getting back into the NFL for a couple of weeks here. Any struggles getting up to speed after all this time away from football? You know, I've done it before. It's just, you know, the body is an amazing tool. You know, you just got to do it. And, and there's, nothing, there's nothing athletically that I can't do, you know, on the football field. It's just getting reps getting reps, getting reps, and learning, like you said, from the guys around me, right? We got A.J. Brown, we got Devontae Smith, we got yeah. Greg Ward and, and uh, you know, Quez Watkins and, and Jalen Rager and, and all those guys, like a lot of good receivers, a lot of great athletes. Like I can literally just watch them, and if I do nothing right, it's just copy them. Just, mm. you know, just try <laughs> to be like them, right? Like, and I'm just watching film, like, okay, how are they doing this? How are they doing this? You know how they timing things up on the releases. You know how they, you know how they giving a jab, or how are they catching the ball, or how are they, you know, moving in practice. Obviously, I'm going to be the fast guy. That's that's my job to start, right? I show up on OTA. I show up the first day of camp. Like my job is to be the fastest guy on the field. Okay, I can do that. But now it's like, all right, now I got to play football. I got to be able to catch the football, run routes, make the blocks, understand the offense, understand the concepts on why we're running certain plays, understand the defenses, the coverages. You know, that's a whole new thing, too, is like yeah, it's pretty simple in college, right, the defensive schemes. And now we're learning defensive schemes in meetings. And I'm like, yo, I've never heard of this in my life. <laughs> um, but I got some time to figure it out. So I'm, right. I'm confident I can do it. And, and like I said, you, you get to go against, you know, some of the best corners in the National Football League with Slay and with the addition, uh, you know, last week from the Giants as well. So you're going to have really good competition that's going to test you and show you, uh, you know, how things are done in the National Football League. And obviously, you got Smith uh, to learn from. You know, what are some of the things that stood out from you from watching uh, Smith in practice? He's just he's so just diligent about everything he does, and and that's really what makes a great athlete and not just a great football player. But he has so much intent with each rep, right? Like, you know, if he messes it up, he'll like, all right, let me re let me retry that. You know, even if we're just doing like a one-two jab drill. Like he's trying to be perfect on everything, which is a great, you know, personality trait to have. And, and it's something to learn from. And he gives great effort. And obviously, you know, he's a smart kid. He's a Heisman Trophy winner. Like he knows everything about football. Um, so just trying to like, you know, take in what he says in meetings, like even though it might not seem like important to whoever, but I'm like, what is yeah. he talking about? Like he's talking about this. He's like, you know, so we're not going to do this on this play or, or this and that, that play. play. Trying to take trying to all take that ball. in. And that that's, that shows the leadership of him. Obviously, you know, toward the end of the season, uh, you saw him getting in guys' faces and, and him trying to pump guys up. And for a young guy to have that kind of confidence and guys to really buy into him, uh, my rookie year, it was Eric Allen who set the tempo uh, for me. And the same thing mm -hmm. you talked about in meetings, I'm looking at Eric Allen. He's got a notebook for every team we played against or every receiver. He had a book for Jerry Rice, uh, you know, Chris Carter. And I'm thinking like, 
how is he making these plays look so simple when we go out on Sunday? Because he studied every route that these guys did. And, and that's something I would you know tell you to write down notes about every defensive back that you face in practice. Know what he likes to do uh, with you. So you study that. Uh, and then obviously, you know, my career took a huge step. Um, it's almost like, you know, you're studying track, you're, you know, your, your steps got to be right. And in that football league, it's the same thing. You got to study your opponent like you're in a classroom. Uh, you know, Slay may be a guy that likes to jam, that likes to be real physical at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, and another corner may be a little bit more softer. So that's what you write down in your notes, each guy, um, and, and study that, you know, cause it's an opportunity, uh, that thousands of guys wish they had, uh, but you know, no one handed you anything. So don't. I'm not trying to say, like, you know, this is handed to you. You work your tail off for this opportunity, and, you know, I'm excited to see it, you know, continue to flourish. But I would say study every defensive back. Study yourself. Be critical on yourself during the film sessions as well because sometimes coaches will blow smoke up your tail. But, you know, you got to be serious with yourself because, you know, obviously I, have, I played with some old school coaches, but Carson, he didn't blow smoke up anybody's tail, you know. <laughs> hey, that's that's okay, you know, and I'm excited for the opportunity, like you said. Like, Well, this is a great story. We're rooting for you, and we appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks Steve, and thanks, Mark, for having me on. All right. Go Birds. There he is, Devin Allen, former Oregon receiver, but, uh, you know, best known for his Olympic feats. I mean, one of the best – 110 hurdlers in the world over the last uh, six or eight years. Um, let's close out with this. I know you're giving Devin a lot of advice. When you faced, or you faced a few of them, because there's been a bunch in the history of the NFL. When you faced that, you know, that guy from track, that sprinter dude. Um, and, you know, going back in history, some of the more famous names are like Ronaldo, Nehemiah, or yeah. Willie, Willie Gall. Gull. When you faced those guys as a cornerback, like what did you see in terms of, um, maybe the inability to to break out as a number one, two, or three receiver, and then what made a difference for the guys who actually did break through? Uh, you know, I played against Ron Brown, uh, played against Willie Goat, um, you know, some of these guys that were actually in the in Olympics. And, you know, one thing that you knew as a defensive back is like, I don't know how they're going to run their routes because they're speed guys. And, you know, obviously Willie Goat, you know, pretty much his, his routes was just a post route or a nine route. And, you know, me and Eric knew that. And, you know, when you see a receiver come out there with track shoes on in the vet, we're like, he's not running any out routes. He's not running any dig routes. I was like, this dude has on track shoes playing in the National Football League. So, you know, it's going to be an adjustment for, for Devin. Obviously, a guy's going to be thinking he's just going to run nine routes. But he's actually a really good route runner. You know, he's a complete football player. It's just going to take some time for him to, you know, jail, um, you know, at that, at that pace and, you know, it's going to be tough, you know, because a lot of track guys that try to play in the National Football League, once you go across the middle and, and get hit up under that chin, you know, I, I know Ronaldo went right back to track after he, you know, yeah. he went across that middle. But but Devin was as much a football player as a track guy coming up, so uh, he should be fine. So I, I wanted to find out what's going on with you, man. You've been in Arizona a whole bunch. I see you got oh, all these business ventures you're developing, maybe a TV Woo! deal. What's going on? Woo! Oh, man, there's a lot of things going on, man. Uh, the brand is really doing good. The Grilla McMillan brand is doing really good. Um, you know, I just did a, t a TV segment for the List uh, TV show that went national today. Um, so a lot of people get an opportunity to check that out. Dynaglow is a, a huge partner uh, ship that I have with them as well. So things have been going great. And then I got a call. You know, I can only say so much. You know, the, the next level chef from Gordon Ramsay, the show that airs on Fox, 
you know, they gave me a call and I had an interview the other day. So that's all I can say right now. Wow. Yeah, that's all I can say right now. You know, obviously, you know, with the with the contract deal, I'm probably going to have to sign. Um, I, I personally think the interview went really well. Um, you know, they're going to be filming in September in London. So the show is going to be, I know last year was in Vegas. Uh, this year is going to be in London. So, wow. man, it's, it's a lot of good things in the works, man. And, like, I'll always, always give you uh, praise, man, because you've given me a platform to talk about Gorilla McMillan, talk about our food and, and the things that we've been doing over the last couple of years. So I appreciate that, man. And if I do get selected, they said the winner gets $250,000. What? Yes. Wow. That would yes. be awesome. Everybody's like, everybody's like, man, what are you going to do when Gordon Ramsay starts screaming at you? It'll be fine. You know, other people that have never been in that kind of hostile environment. Yeah. Uh, my mom my mom said, you probably start laughing in his face, and that might make him even more mad. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> All right, Mark. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you. All right. Thanks, Steve. Olympian Devin Allen right here on Cofield and Company along with Mark McMillan. Up next, we flip the page, an update on what's going on around the Mountain West. Football schedules are out, and an early look at the possible pecking order in men's basketball. Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal, will join us. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. If other states want to lag and they don't want to let kids use the logo or name the school, Nevada should be at the forefront and go, you know what, the kids can make all they want, and we're actually going to push it from a government standpoint. I couldn't agree with you more. Of all the states that should be at the forefront of this, Nevada is number one on the list. And we have a legislature that is small enough and nimble enough to make these kinds of changes right now and, and enable our athletic programs to be at the absolute forefront of this stuff. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. So, that one voice was kind of familiar, mine. Uh, Justin Watkins, our legal insider, but also a former public servant, was commenting on the conversation we've been having the last few days. And really, it started with, um, you know, Nick Saban getting all pissed off at Jimbo Fisher, uh, also dropping a bomb on Jackson State. And, you know, some of it is uh, state by state. Like, Saban wants some, like, legal help state by state. You can't do anything about it, right? And I actually – I think what USC has done is freaking awesome. They've gone in and got 19 guys out of the transfer portal. They're using NIL. And, hey, the rest of college football is all fine with us in the West mostly not having a seat at the football table. Up theirs. This is a way to go extremely aggressive – and get a seat at the table by using NIL. And I truly believe that governments should be behind the athletes. Let's bring in Jeff Grammer, who's a Mountain West Conference expert, football and basketball. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How are you guys doing? We're good. Um, I, I, like I said, uh, you know, in the in the intro here, I I think there's an opportunity for Western states to get super aggressive with NIL. And I know every state's a little bit different. Um, you tell me about New Mexico, because I think the state was at the forefront on the NIL thing. How are they using it, and is there a plan to get super aggressive? Like, let's go. There's a way to make money here, and I think potentially remedy the wrongs of years and years and years of basically being ignored in college football. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what New Mexico sees and what the two lawmakers that, uh, you know, the two bipartisan, and this has been bipartisan in every state that it's passed, um, the two bipartisan lawmakers that pushed this through last year in New Mexico, one's a former Lobo football player who's now a Republican state representative, and the other is the son of a former Albuquerque Journal sports editor many, many years ago who's a Democrat, and 
big, big global sports fan. Um, they, they looked at this as an opportunity to say, okay, New Mexico doesn't have a whole lot of money. We, we get it. We, we know where we rank in a whole lot of uh, um, polls and there are a whole lot of rankings around the country, and a lot of it has to do with the economy. There's just not a lot of money in New Mexico. But why wouldn't we, as a state, sort of enable our athletic departments to, if they can, get a leg up on all these other states? And if, if there's a state somewhere with a power conference school that has a ton of money, but they weren't passing NIL at the time, that's why New Mexico tried to be one of the first, um, at least New Mexico would have that at its disposal. Now everybody's basically doing it, and we get that. But what New Mexico did was basically enact a very vague, very general NIL law um, that, that allows for just about, almost just about anything. I mean, the, the rules are you can, you can pretty much get away with anything as long as um, it's documented, as long as you know, they're not breaking any tax laws or anything like that. And it was an effort and an opportunity as an opportunity to get these schools out west to, to get on board with some of those power conference schools that we always call the haves in this haves and have-nots college athletics world. Jeff Grammer, Albuquerque Journal. Um, all right, let's talk football from a scheduling standpoint. What did you see with the schedule so far? And obviously uh, Mountain West Conference is embarking on you know a, a bigger partnership with Fox and CBS Sports. I, I actually, I, I'm, I'm okay with what they did. I, I Sometimes these partnerships are in name only, and I get they're going to carry some games, but I, you know, I think Fox and CBS have done pretty good thus far in kind of honoring um, their part of all this with, with getting quite a few games. I don't know if they did enough of a variety of the teams and all that. The, the league might want more of a variety. I know the teams that don't get those big kind of primetime slots and all that might want more of their exposure. But as a league, I, I think Fox and CBS Sports, for the most part, has kind of honored their commitment to, uh, to being partners with the Mountain West, and they're putting some pretty good pretty good time slots in for, for some Mountain West games, and I, I think they've done that with basketball as well. So um, I, I think the, the Mountain West overall should be pretty happy with what it, what it is. I mean, you can go school by school and have your different gripes, but overall I think the league should be happy with, with the TV rollout that came out this week. How do you think the league feels, though, about late football starts and uh, even more significantly late basketball starts where, frankly, yeah. I mean, you and I, you know, we see each other at basketball games. There's a lot of places, these basketball games, man, especially in the mountain region, people are like, yeah, I'm not coming out. And the, it, it does hurt the attendance. Like, what's more important? Is it the gate and butts in the seats or getting on TV? I, I think that is one area where they've paid some lip service. They said, we're not going to. You know, we're going to listen to our teams, and we're not ever going to put our student-athletes in, in a bad position. And, and that's great for lip service, but I do think that's one place where the Mountain West has sort of um, bowed down to what the TV guys say, and that's we want more time, late time slot games. Now, the late time slot may not help you guys, and it may not even be a great viewing time nationwide, but we know if we have at least one basketball, um, if we have some inventory on that late night time slot, we know some people are going to be watching that. You might be the only one, Mountain West, to, to have a game, so we're going to put a bunch of your games there. I think that one is, is certainly more TV partners' um, power play than it is the Mountain West really doing much to fight it off. They know that it's better for the schools to have an earlier start time. They just also know that you know they got to give a little bit to uh, to make these TV contracts and the TV um, executives happy on that on that front. They they say it every year that they're going to start backing off on the late start, right, right. and then they never do. Right. They never do. <laughs> Jeff, I'm looking at the <clears throat> I'm looking at the in particular the CBS Sports schedule, the the times, uh, some of the some of the Fox Sports, all the times are now. But there there's a good share of them that aren't late, and I'm just wondering with football, how much do you think that they see like last year? 
The Mountain West finished 5-1 and one in bowl games. It's proven itself when it gets to the postseason that they're saying, hey, you know what, we can use that as a selling point. And, and you know what, there are some decent teams that come the postseason. They tend to play themselves into good situations because the opposition in bowl games kind of feels like, man, we got to play this team and they don't want to be there, so the Mountain West beats them. But they end up with the winning record. How much does that help play into getting these these time slots? I'm a believer that perception is a big part of all this. And right now, the Mountain West is on a good kind of upswing, if you will, on perception in both football and basketball. I get the NCAA tournament. They still have their failings with basketball teams. I I get that. That's not going to change. But overall, the Mountain West had a good year last year in basketball. They have a good bowl game record in football. I I think that the product in football and men's basketball has been pretty solid for the Mountain West in the past year. And, And I think they're in a good spot right now. I think the best they can ever hope for is to be the best other, right? They're not ever going to be a power five. They're going to be one of the other ones. And I I think that the Mountain West fields, it's in that, in that spot right now, where in both football and basketball there, they have an opportunity right now to see that. And I do think it's helping them. I think the bowl game situation helps them a little bit because it's a perception thing. And of course for basketball, they better start winning the tournament game to help their perception. But overall, I, I do think the product right now for the league is pretty good. The basketball portal has been a fascinating follow, and there were a bunch of head-to-head battles on uh, players coming from Power 5 schools. Uh, you know, Boise did pretty well. We'll get to them in a second. But uh, in our neck of the woods, New Mexico and UNLV went head-to-head on uh, Morris Udeze, a big man from Wichita State. How did New Mexico get it done? How significant is the win for them? Because I think on this end uh, that that could have been a massive piece. Udeze to the Rebels could have been massive for UNLV. I think they, I mean, first of all, UNM agrees. UNM thinks that was their, not thinks, that was their target. Um, you know, if they could have overshot that and gotten even better five, they, they sure, certainly would have. But from pretty early on in the process, you kind of gauge who you have a shot at and who you, who you think you may have a shot at. And that was their, their really target from the beginning was, was Udeze. And he, he fills not, not just fills the need. They needed some help in the, in the front court um, overall. He's going to be the starting five. And I think UNM, was able to sell that from the start that not only are you going to come in here and compete for a spot, you're the only five we have ready to start. The Lobo started a, a freshman from Sweden last year, um, had had some really good games, had some really bad games. He needs to play probably no more than you know 18 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe a game. They can't rely on him for more than that. He's still developing, and he could still be good, but they can't rely on that. And, and Udeze knows he's going to come in from day one and be the starting five, and uh, he fits in what they need really bad. So I do think that UNM had maybe a better overall fit for him potentially flourishing. Now, what I have to tell Lobo fans around here sometimes, and this is what they get a little bit you know, angry with me about, is, is I'm not going to overhype the guy. He, he has played extensively, and he has never been an all-league guy. Right. He's very good. He's a very good starter. He's going to be a very good Lobo, I, I imagine, if he stays healthy. But he's not like they got a – I don't think they got an all-Mountain West level guy. They got kind of a fringe honorable mention type maybe. But uh, he is what they needed. And in terms of what they needed, the Lobos really got two guys that, uh, that they needed. So, you know, you talk about NIL at the beginning. I think UNM and NIL really helped them get two pieces that they needed. Yeah, for uh, UNLV, Udeze would have gone into a four-man rotation at the four and five, and he would have been, I think, the most advanced uh, offensive guy. Um, but – in all likelihood, minutes would have been maxed out of maybe maybe 25 on a good night. So, again, he would have been part of a rotation. So, uh, New Mexico has had a, a good time in the transfer portal because they got another big from uh, 
Kansas City, which, by the way, is where Marvin Menzies landed. So that's a story we could talk about down the road. That'll be interesting, that build, with our buddy Joe Esposito on the staff. Um, in general, who has impressed you in the transfer portal? Because I, I think San Diego State killed it, and then somehow they did a great job of getting Nathan Mensa back. They're big. And then you know Bradley announced at the end of the season he was coming back. I mean, that team is freaking loaded. I, I think they have potential – preseason top 25 and I think the Mountain West usually has two or three teams that I think can kind of flirt with that, flirt with that throughout the season but I think going into the season they're going to be right on the cusp of the top 25 kind of ranking they're, they're going to be my preseason number one in the Mountain West for sure and I think they would have been that without Nathan Mensa anyway um, but with him coming back I, I definitely have him there um, but I, I think look Colorado State as long as they have Isaiah Stevens and if David Roddy comes back and then Wyoming have their top two guys plus three Pac-12 contributors transferring over there. Um, I I do think that there's a situation where both Wyoming and Colorado State could be on the radars enough where maybe they get some votes and they're sort of a fringe top 25 team going into next season. So I, I think the Mountain West starts off next year in college basketball, again, assuming David Roddy does come back. I don't know that he's announced today, but I assume. I'm, I'm counting on him coming back. I think he will be back. And if he does, I think there's going to be three teams that on the national radar perspective could sort of uh, grab attention early in the season if they don't go blow it in the non-conference. I'm going to trust in Leon Rice and Boise, but I don't know that I'm confident enough to put Boise ahead of both New Mexico and, and UNLV. And keep in mind, UNLV is still waiting on Donovan Williams, which would make a big difference for the Rebels roster. What do you think of Boise? Because I think they're leaning heavily. Well, they got Shaver back. They got Shaver back. Obviously, they had their elite freshman from a year ago who uh, you know could step up big time in terms of numbers, but I, I think people are kind of underscoring what they lost. I mean, they lost some really good players, and I know he didn't get a lot of attention, but I'll tell you, the Mladen uh, Armus was a giant pain in the ass for the Rebels when he played him. I think Armus was one of the you, you have those debates every year about like MVP talk, right? Like who yeah. means more to a team? Like he was one of those guys that was never statistically going to be an all league conversation kind of guy, but man. Every coach in this league would have loved to have had that piece to kind of build their, their whole team around because he was just a, a load down there. I think that was one of the biggest losses in the Mountain West. I'm with you, and I know there was some chatter on, uh, on social media about this. Like, Boise, you know, they do got some good transfers that are coming in, this and that. They're at best in a, in a conversation in my mind. I, look, I have the top three in the league that I just mentioned, but I think the next four or the next three spots, four, five, and six, can go in any order you want between Boise, UNLV, and UNM. I do think UNM brings enough back plus added two pieces of, of straight need that I think will put them in a position to make a climb. I think Boise, if you want to um, go with they got good transfers and say they're going to be up there as, as high as four, oh, okay, I, I'm not going to argue with you, and I think UNLV did the same. But I, I if, I'm, if I'm today putting pen to pen, pen to paper and putting the rankings, I'm going number four UNM, number five UNLV, and number six Boise State, which – in a lot of people's mind, just numbers-wise, from number one to number six seems like it would be a pretty big drop. But if you remember, well, I mean, there was a kind of a cluster of like four yeah. teams last year yeah. that were all pretty even, and Boise wasn't that much better than any of them. Well, I mean, you know, to, for us to push Boise after they lost ACOT, who may not have been a big numbers guy, but he's a very good player, and I think he's going to wind up transferring somewhere else. Key jab, and I mentioned our moose would be like me coming on air and saying, oh, you know, the Rebels got a bunch of transfers. They'll be fine. So what? They lost, you know, uh, Bryce Hamilton. Like, yeah, right. those are great players. You know, Key jab is a great player. ACOT's a very good player. So I, I think. This this year in the league is going to be completely fascinating. It's going to be great. Uh, Jeff, 
Appreciate the time. We're up against it. Thank you so much. Uh, what do you got going on for Memorial Day weekend? I'm working all weekend. I got ah! I got all the so I got some baseball games and that's about it. But that that's okay. I'll take the rest of the summer off. There you go. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. Uh, there's transfer news in just a couple minutes ago. Uh, I don't know if you remember, we had Illinois coach uh, Brad Underwood on uh, about two weeks ago, involved with the coaches versus Cantor thing, and he oh, yeah, was yeah, he yeah. was pretty straightforward on the transfer portal. Yeah. He without us really prompting him, he's like, you know what? A lot of these guys, these coaches, they got to stop complaining about it. Like we do have to come up with rules. And guess what? Brad Underwood has gone into the portal. He lost a bunch of guys. He's like, okay. Then we're going to get in the, in the muck, and we're going to get players. And he's landed players left and right, and now he uh, apparently just landed the uh, Baylor transfer, the six nine kid, plays the wing, Matthew Mayer. So that's a good get for the Illini. 